0: Hi everyone, welcome back to the Be Her Village, oh no, it's not the Be Her Village podcast. Welcome back to Socially Distant Tea Time. You skip a week and I lost everything. I'm Caitlin McGreas, founder of Be Her Village and I'm joined by Evelyn Page and Laura Atten, maternal mental health specialists. And we are talking about quarantine and now we're talking about the reopening because we're not really quarantined anymore. So welcome both of you and how is it going?
1: Evelyn? Well, I, was, I was actually thinking about this, um, and I don't know if you guys noticed, have noticed this, but I feel like my kids, and from what I'm hearing from clients, that kids are kind of regressing a little bit, like the main thing being like potty training, so like if kids were potty training, they're starting to have accidents, and my older one has had a f- couple of accidents, um, which I didn't really think, much of, I mean kids she's only four, so kids have accidents, but I realized like she like once she got potty trained, which was just literally like she just decided I'm done with diapers, like she's had one wet bed at night mm-hmm. and has like doesn't have accidents. So I'm kind of thinking I've just been thinking about kids and kind of how they're starting to like they're like they're not gonna come and say like I'm anxious or I'm stressed about, you know, whatever is going on their behavior changes, and so kind of having to, like, start picking up on that, too, for a lot of parents, so that's kind of what I've noticed, and and I don't know if, again, it's because, yeah, like, things are reopening, like, my husband went to the office for the first time since we closed down today, um, so we were kind of thinking a lot about that, and I'm sure, like, stressed about that last week, and so I'm just kind of, I think, you know, she was picking up on us being kind of Stressed about that, so that's kind of where we are right now.
2: And then, what do you do with that? Like, how how do you discuss anxiety with a four year old? Uh, to put it in their language of, you know, it's okay to be worried, but then just as we want to do for ourselves, it's okay for us to be worried and to have anxiety about this. We all do on some sort of level. Um, but then what reassurance and what comfort can we give without being, without, you know, completely washing over the fact that this is very serious? It's that balance to take. And it looks different with a four-year-old than an eight-year-old than the 16-year-old. Um, I've noticed we've started to do some outside, like, seeing other kids, um, and I've noticed my daughter has one it's like she's gotten a sip of water when she was really thirsty and now she wants the whole glass whereas before during this whole thing she was basically like fine she enjoyed just playing home and with us and now every day morning afternoon i want to see so-and-so i want to see so-and-so and then it goes to the whiny tantrum and i'm like whoa <laughs> like we did that one thing outside but now it's like she just wants more and more and more
0: it's gotcha. like what they were missing.
1: Mm-hmm. like
0: when you go and pick a kid up from school or you come home after a babysitter's been there, it's like they were fine when you weren't there, but then they see you. And at least with my kids, I always get the sense that they like are overwhelmed with emotions and so happy to see me. And then suddenly so sad that they haven't seen me. And then there's like this huge, huge bubble of emotion and they have nothing, they have no idea what to do with it. So usually they act like little jerks. <laughs> That's how my dogs used to do yeah. that
2: growing up. They'd be so, they would be so excited to see us. And then they would like get like
0: grumpy with us. <laughs> yeah, like, it's like my mom, anytime my mom would be like pre-pandemic when she would babysit the kids, it's like, I would go pick them up and they suddenly like wouldn't listen or would be crying or, would be, and she's like, they were fine. I swear they were fine right before you walked in. And I believe her because I see it's I, for me, my kids transitions are hard. But then transitions like with lots of emotion attached to it are even harder. It's like they just completely can't cope with it. Um, So yeah, so watching them go through a pandemic. I struggled with that in the beginning because now I feel a lot more grounded and a lot more centered and a lot better about this whole thing. Um, So I have a grasp on it, but I felt like in the very beginning I was really struggling. And it was like, how do I even begin to address the emotions of children when I have no, no control over my, like I have control, but no like feeling of groundedness for myself. So it was definitely a struggle for sure. Mm -hmm. It's, it's an ongoing theme for me anyway, of like trying to raise my kids well, while still feeling like I'm growing up. (laughs) Like I still I'm still learning. I'm learning every day. And I think it's a good thing. But it's a, it's also like, you know, it would be nice. I know it won't ever happen. Or I hope it won't ever happen. Like it would be nice to like, reach adulthood, like to be just like, ding, I'm done. I've learned all my lessons. I know how to do this. And Like, there has not been any point in my parenthood, my oldest is going to be eight tomorrow. Like there's no point in my parenthood where I'm like, I am, there's points where I feel super confident and there's points where I feel like I'm doing a great job, but there's no point where I'm like, I am a hundred percent got this on top of it and I'm not messing him up. And you know, like, it's just, there's an ongoing growth process there. And like, it's really interesting. And it's interesting too, because I'm like a, a mom of three. And so I think a lot of people look to me like, you're a mom of three, you know how to do these things. And I'm like, yeah. But also, every one of my kids is really different. And also, my oldest, I've never been a mom to an eight-year-old before. Mm -hmm. I have no idea what that looks like. I have no idea, like, the types of things we're going to go through and what's right and what's wrong. And so, in a lot of ways, I feel like a first-time mom constantly, (laughs) all the time. So, yeah. Yeah. It's difficult to parent.
2: (laughs) It is. I I remember yeah there there's always that moment when you like look around like I wish an adult would like handle this situation
0: <laughs> and you're like oh that adult is me like I to yeah. handle this
2: situation.
0: <laughs> is like even more than that is that as I as I come into parenting more and my children are reaching the age that I have memories of I start to look back and go, oh, my parents had no idea what they were doing. There was such, I had such high expectations of my parents. They were my parents. They knew everything. They could make no mistakes. And still, even now, I look at them, they're like 65. And I'm like, you think they know what they're doing? And every. When you start realizing nobody has any idea what they're doing, there's something very disconcerting about that and very, very comforting to me. Um, my, my neighbors and I, we joked, we were doing like a bonfire, like with a fire pit with the kids. Mm-hmm. And before we started, I just looked at my kids and I go, hey guys, all the adults that you see here were just kids that our bodies grew. And they were like...
2: Oh.
0: And I, what I meant by it, and I explained, I go, so just you're in charge of your safety here. Like if you, if you feel you're too close to the fire or what you're doing isn't safe, just the adults here, we don't know either, kiddo. So just back it up, you know? And they were like, okay. But since then they keep looking at me and my little daughter is like, are you a kid? Are you a baby? And I'm like, (laughs) yep.
2: I feel that way sometimes.
0: No idea what I'm doing. Yeah, so to have no idea what I'm doing, plus a pandemic, then plus the reopening, it's almost, oddly enough, and I wonder, Evelyn, how you feel about this, like, if the reopening is harder than the actual pandemic, because you seem very comfortable in the, like, I must stay home, that's the rule, and now Mm -hmm. that there's reopening, it's like, it's almost more difficult to navigate for some Mm -hmm. people.
1: Right. No, I definitely, I definitely feel that because you still kind of hear kind of like different reports and different things, different places where like infections are increasing and people not using masks. And, um, and of course, like over the weekend, I somehow in my, in my email get like flooded with like, just different like articles about like, well, like there's, you know, like the who is like, you know, arguing amongst themselves about what is this and like, you know, all these things. So it is like kind of, you know, who do you listen to and who do you believe? And right now it just does feel safer to be at home for us. Mm-hmm. Um apparently
0: it's a World Health Organization right now.
1: They're really dropping the ball. If I yeah,
0: know. we're
2: getting a lot of conflicting information from people who <laughs> are supposed to give us direction. And again, you know, and I have seen there's so much conflict when your parents or your in-laws or your friends are on a different page than you are. And we all have so many feelings wrapped up to this and their politics wrapped up into this as well. And so that's creating a lot more stress and because people want their babies to have memories with their grandparents, and you know all we 've talked a lot about this of this uh, grief over what we 've lost, um, and the shower, baby showers canceled weddings canceled graduations canceled. And now it's a summertime and everyone wants to do all of these happy activities. And then we have fall like looming, <laughs> like and I know I feel that looming in the distance. Um, and what I am glad to see is I have been seeing more acknowledgement of how it's impossible to expect working parents to have their kids as well. And we should stop talking about how it's impossible and actually set up things so we don't are are no longer asking it. I feel like for so long we're like, this is really tough, but do it. (laughs) And and moms do it. Um, And now I'm seeing more of like, okay, this this wasn't feasible then and it's not gonna be feasible for the fall. So that's giving me some reassurance as well and acknowledgement of that burden mostly being on women. Um, so I'm hopeful that <laughs> that we won't expect you know working parents to also be teaching their
0: children and providing childcare for them in the home. What's interesting though is that I mean there's so many interesting things about this pandemic, and none of the interesting things are good. They're all bad. They're all bad. But it's like um, in New York City they're giving parents um, the ability to opt out opt their children out of in-person schooling and so it creates again along racial divides and class divides this like can and cannot has and has not like so the families like mine where I am absolutely ready to opt my children out of in-person learning not thrilled about it I would rather them go to a normal pre-pandemic school but if need be I we have the capacity and the salary and the childcare to keep our children home, there are tons of families that don't have the resources, the money, the childcare. The parents, especially working mothers, that have the flexibility they they have to show up. They're essential workers. They're healthcare workers. They 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 don't have the you know they work hourly. They're not salaried. They don't have leave options. And those are the ones that are going to have to send their children in. And then you have this divide, bless you, of. Of people who can and cannot and and so i was surprised at how quickly that happened with new york city um my husband's a teacher there so that's part of how i know like what's going on with it but it's It's like i thought that we would have like a more uniformed approach to this because of the ingrained inequities in our system right like we know that resources are not are not Equitable the way that they are so you'd think there would be some sort of thing to address that but instead they're literally just sending a form home and saying if you'd like to opt your kids out of in-person schooling you can without acknowledging that there's so many people that can't it's just it's really really problematic to me seeing how that's going um and yes and then the concerns about just that it was already hard for working mothers it was already pre-pandemic every working mother that I know is the one that coordinates child care. So like, I can't work unless I call a babysitter until I, unless I figure this out. Or, like to the camp, I dropped them off at camp today. Like it's- it will over- go referee something.
1: I'll be right back.
0: Working mothers. <laughs> there we go. Um, but it's an interesting dynamic then to like, okay, plus a pandemic, plus optional, like remote schooling. It's, I, I don't know. I, I know very few families where the man or the male partner is the one- that is thinking about leaving the job or thinking about making sacrifices, and it's really, it's
2: yeah, it's unsustainable. I read a really, I want to bring it up here. I, I want to link to it in my social media too. Um, it came out a few days ago in the Times about mom rage. And I love reading, I love talking about that topic because we don't talk about it of the, you know, and and the article was um, by a woman who wrote about it, I think last year, about her own experience with rage um, around parenting and motherhood and towards her children. And she wrote this saying, like, you know, in this pandemic, I've heard from more and more mothers writing to me struggling with this. Um, And it makes sense, given all the stress happening right now. And then that pressure to never be mad at your kids and never feel anger as, as a woman, but especially as a mother, you know, we're supposed to be calm and patient at all times um so i'll, I'll link to that as well because i found it so helpful and a, a topic we need to discuss more of not only is it normal um but there are things to do to help you feel better because it's an awful feeling to have and you don't want to have it and usually guilt is the next
0: wave after the anger the rage um so I'm how to break writer. that cycle. I don't know. I haven't read the article, but the precursor to rage is often anxiety. Anxiety, like, fear, so, sadness. spikes this rage response. Right. I've absolutely had rage before, mm-hmm. and I've had anger, and I've had yelling with my children. What I found is actually the opposite for my family is that I was surprised at how much calmer I was in the post pandemic after I like emerged from my depressive like <laughs> month of laying and being, you know, totally immobilized. But there was this, I think my kids were a lot calmer without school mm-hmm. uh, and having my husband home, even though he was working, it was, it had this calming effect And my, we all got into a really good group. It, it took a little while, but, but the, um, I find it's harder when I'm not with my kids all day to know like, they've been exposed to you know it's like you can kind of like keep a better tab on them when you're with them all day to see like what kind of mood everybody's in and and I and I love like that kids are allowed to have moods like my four-year-old wakes up sometimes and she is just pissed like from moment one of the day and she's pissed all day and you just kind of know she's having a grumpy day and she's probably underslept and probably you know overtired and and whatever's going on for her, but we kind of just allow her that mood. It's harder I find when they're in school and when we're working and you only get them for a few hours at the end of the day to like even figure out what they've you know experienced throughout the day and what's triggering them and what's triggering you and
2: you
0: know, there are definitely some parts of the pandemic that and the quarantine that have had positive effects on my family's life, but I'm also today's their first day of camp and I'm really. <laughs> so that's why you're so optimistic (laughs)
2: sometimes sometimes you do need a break and just some quiet time when someone's not asking snacks and eating like oh my gosh like the food and it's every hour to hour between an hour and two hours I'm fixing something yeah And, and trying to put like control on that because I know if they over snack then they won't eat their dinner you know I know all of this I know what to do but trying to contain it is very difficult and I'm very I'm shaking my desk I'm very sick of that and it was nice to have like, I would take them to the gym in the morning, and then, like, that was snack time, get home, lunch, like, everything. And then she would go to school and had you know, like, everything had more of that routine that I didn't have to do so much enforcing. Mm-hmm. And I feel now I'm enforcing all the time, and they push boundaries all the time because they're supposed to, they're kids. But I don't have a teacher taking over. I don't have the childcare watch people at the gym. Like, I don't have any other... Person, it's me and my husband enforcing this twenty four seven. And now that my daughter's staying up later, and sometimes she joins us in bed, I'm like, "You're here all the time. <laughs> like you're just next to me all the time." That's a lot. So it, it wears. It, it wears on you, and you do need a break sometimes. And I've been talking to so many of um, the people I work with about how to balance okay time for your relationship with your partner, time alone, your partner's time alone plus work, plus childcare, plus all the errands we have to run, plus like fun things, like we wanna do fun things too. So like carving this out and making modifications as you go along um, is a big theme I found
1: with summertime being here. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, early on, Well, maybe probably like about a month in, we kind of figured out, you know, our schedule and we like, and I think Laura, you talk about this too, just having it like out where everybody can see it. And so we still in the morning, you know, my husband and I kind of put down, you know, the times that we have calls or, or, you know, where we're totally booked, like we can't do anything else. And, but I've gotten our four-year-old to kind of come in and say like, okay, this is the time where we're going to like, whatever, bake our bread or, you know, do some face painting or like do a craft or some project. Um, so she kind of knows the routine, and so I just, you know, if she, she starts, she'll get into that, too, like, asking for a snack, because she's starving, um, and it's like, well, is it on the schedule, and she's like, I mean, she can't read, but I'm like, okay, this is, and he's, she's like, I'm like, well, it's not on the schedule yet, you know, and she's like, oh, okay, and so <laughs> that's kind of been, like, my my teacher that comes in to help, it's just, like, the schedule, so it's not, like, me kind of, like, always having to enforce, something i feel like it's a little bit of a helper um and that i mean it's not perfect it's not like every day runs like clockwork but it's a little bit helpful too for me to like organize the day as well and you know that's kind of what we've been doing so far you know and that for the most part works
2: yeah she probably- daycare you know they put up the schedule right the mm-hmm. early grades and mm-hmm. isn't that so comforting for all of us yeah <laughs> but you you gotta be flexible with it too but I like
0: right. that. yeah it's hard too because like as far as food goes I mean we have an obesity especially a childhood obesity issue in our country and so i I want to instill healthy habits with my kids, and I want them to listen to their bodies. And like we've done, baby-led weaning from the beginning. My kids never got purees. We never food sped food. Oh my goodness, food sped. (laughs) Um, They they just ate what we ate, but we always try to give them like a healthy variety. We also um, our philosophy was always, and it kind of is in line with baby-led weaning philosophy. I don't know if you guys have heard of Mm -hmm. it. Um, It's where we don't. Argue over food. So there's never any, like, you have to finish your plate. It's, we ask them to try everything on their plate, but we don't ask them to finish anything. Um, But we also, if they want more, they can have more. So that's like our philosophy at mealtime. But I do notice that the hungrier, Laura, you said it before, the hungrier they are for their meals, the more willing they are to try, and the more that they're like, more likely to like the thing they're trying because when they're hungry they'll eat anything Mm -hmm. but at the same time I don't want to be this mother that's like denying them a snack it's it's like an interesting I want them to follow their body and if your body says you're hungry um but Annabelle my four-year-old Evelyn will do the same thing like she'll she'll be fine like she'll have just eaten and then if I have something she likes she just her eyes get big and she goes I am very hungry (laughs) (laughs) you're not hungry you just want chocolate or you just like want Yeah,
1: it could be anything. I mean, I could be eating like carrots, and she's like, "My stomach is just so empty." Sorry, you know, and I'm just like, "You just ate like a peanut butter jelly and a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, like apples, some raisins, some carrots yourself." But all of a sudden, it's kind of like, "I'm starving," and it's like so dramatic. But the other thing, I don't know if you guys have heard of parenting with connection, which is, like, mm-hmm. kind of a model by Karen Purvis, but one of the things that they talk about is, like, around food is, like, having a yes bin. Have you heard of this?
2: I haven't heard of that. Um,
1: so, but essentially, right. yeah, like, snacks that are, like, really free range. so, like, you know, they generally are, like, healthier snacks. And so when I heard about this, I was like, oh, that's a great idea. So there's, like, we we do keep, like, a little bin of something in the fridge, like, you know, things that need to be refrigerated that they can have, you know, if they want to go in there and have those snacks, there they have that, and then they have, we have, like, a bin outside that's just kind of non-refrigerated stuff. But at the end of, like, once those snacks are gone for the day, they're gone. Mm-hmm. So it helps kind of teach them kind of how to regulate, you know, if they're all gone by 10 a.m., then... Your snacks are gone for the day, and we, like I mean in quarantine, we've been a little bit more flexible with that, but that's helpful, and you know, so we keep like like a cheese stick or carrots or fruit and a granola bar or whatever um, because both of them at times can become like ravenous, and I'm like, is this a growth spurt? is this is this anxiety because kids do overeat too when they are anxious, just like uh grown ups will um. So yeah, I mean, they, it, but again, it's like all these like little things that kind of help right now and yeah, it's not it perfect, but it's something. I yeah. find like,
0: one of the times that I find myself being a first time mom, but he's going to be eight tomorrow. Like he's my oldest and he is my hungriest and he, and my husband and I find myself, ar- uh, find ourselves not arguing, but just like having a real discussion about like whether he can have a banana right now, you know, and like sometimes I'm just like, Like, cause I know we emphasize healthy eating and we're not like crazy about it. We're, we try to offer, we know, you know, at parties and when they go out, they always eat like whatever's there, but there's generally healthy food in our house. And I'm like, it's just a banana. Like, just At the same time, if my kids were left to their own devices, they could eat their body weight in fruit. Like Like, they are, they love fruit. And I, and I'm not a fruit eater and I also kind of like fruits healthy. Like I know it's like more sugary, but I mean, it's not goldfish and Reese's and Fruit Loops, like it's it's a banana. <laughs> so, I don't know, it's like an interesting thing. And and he eats meats and, and he's not overweight. He's like, if anything, he's leaning out. So I think he's just growing and it's shocking to me how much he can eat at almost eight years old. It's like it's just incredible. But it's hard to know. Like are they hungry because they're more active, which we found with the pandemic we <laughs> were rather than sitting in school and only having some activity, they were riding bikes, they were running around. So they got, they're a lot hungrier on the days that they're active and,
2: Yeah, When we go to the beach, everyone is, including myself, just more hungry. I mean, I remember eating vast quantities of food growing up. Um, I'm tall. I went through a big growth spurt. Um, and, And yeah, my kids can eat a ton. And then another day, it seems like they survive on two or three bites. And that's so completely normal. And right like teaching them of like you know she'll ask me sometimes and i'm like i don't like ask your stomach like are you still hungry or is it are you full is it empty and you know trying to help her gauge that and never associating good or bad with food um because there is no good food there is no bad food um but we do talk about how different foods might make you feel differently um so we have those discussions too uh but yeah growing food What's
0: that? Like
1: food? We talk about food that helps you grow, growing food.
0: Like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. we talk about food being something. We don't use good or bad. But again, this is like another area. This is a great example of me like growing myself, you know, like, oh, there's no good or bad food. Like when we were growing up, we were eating like pasta with hot dogs, Oreos, Elios, like cereal. I was in... The 90s with a single mom, like we ate nothing but processed food, you know? So, like, my kids are getting a totally different experience, but I'm still trying to figure out my own relationship with food. I definitely overeat when I'm stressed and I go for really like comfort foods that aren't good for me. And so, it's an interesting dynamic as a parent to try and create this culture of health and like real health, not just we don't count calories, I don't talk about my body in front of them, but it's still, it's just like an interesting thing to try to have children have a healthy relationship with food when I'm still trying to figure that out for myself and when the way I was raised there was none of this consciousness about about food about emotion I don't know I don't know how you guys are raised but that was not like <laughs> like my mom was surviving we were on the streets on the streets on the streets of left <laughs> We, like <laughs> on the streets like playing basketball and, and playing manhunt like we were on the streets we were on the street the one street sugar maple road <laughs> it was like, sugar maple <laughs> road <laughs> that's so sweet yeah. so it's i don't know it's like it's just an interesting thing to try and like look at these little people and like how i want them to be there's a there's a like a a, a meme where it's like two sweethearts and it's like um I will not mess up my children. I will not mess up my children. So it's like two adult sweethearts and it's one little one that says a whole new kind of mess up. Right. Brand
2: new way of being messed up.
0: <laughs> whoever me and my husband are like trying to consciously do this, like they're all gonna be messed up from however we're doing it. And there's a little bit of like, okay, we're gonna mess them up either way. So let's just try and at least do our best here, but not be perfect about it. That's a
2: good example of how we can become healthier and better ourselves as parents because suddenly you are looking at we've talked about this with like our you know you were very conscious of your like skincare products and like that kind of thing like suddenly we're looking at it wait a second if I don't want my kid to eat like this I don't want my daughter and my son to have body image issues like then I need to look at my own stuff because I'm creating this environment for them it it, is a wonderful way to grow ourselves and be challenged ourselves of like, wait a second, I can't talk about my body like that at all, like anywhere near my kids or outside my kids. And so it challenges of, okay, well, how do I really feel about food? How do I really feel about my body? Because now it is more exposed than maybe it was before we had kids. The conversation's
1: gone, like, all over the place. Yeah, I will say the one funny thing that I am totally guilty of, like, feeding into is that my four-year-old has literally, since day one, had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for lunch every single day. Has not veered from that. And, I mean, it's not the worst thing in the world, and I think, I don't know if it's comforting to her, but she... She will eat a lot of other things around that, but it's a peanut butter and jelly sandwich every day for lunch. And I'm kind of like curious if there is a world record on you know peanut butter and jelly sandwich eating because she, I've offered her other things and she'll sometimes think about it and she's like, no peanut butter and jelly. So, I'm I mean she she's a pretty good eater overall. So I'm not that's like not the, I'm.
0: To me, that's not like really care. No. What it's,
1: one a day is. It's easy because I just make them and then, sort of, the size you know, sometimes it's carrots, sometimes it's apples, sometimes it's sometimes they get chips, you know, whatever. So it still feels like pretty, what's the word, like balanced or, right, right. you know,
2: so I think we all have something weird like that like at so my daughter loved avocados as a baby like most babies and you get all like self-righteous and like all up about yourself of feeding your child avocado because it's so good for them or at least i did and then she stopped and like now won't touch it and hopefully we'll come back to it i've tried to like completely act like i don't care so that way it's not a power struggle my son baby you know we did a lot of baby well led we need to couldn't stand avocado, doesn't even want it on his plate. I offer it to him, I'll put it on his plate. He pushes it off. So then one time I tried to like sneak it, like, and you're not supposed to do that, but I put it like something on top of it and tried. And this is back when he was just a little baby, he spat out the whole thing like he knew. <laughs> so I, I'm like, all right, this I'm turning this, this into a power struggle, you gotta stop as much as you love avocado and how good it is for their brain development. So avocados often, but I still eat it. So then I offer it to them. I get resounding no's and I move on with my day and you should see me. I'm so thankful that my, my husband could blackmail me by videoing me with vegetables to feed my kids because I'll do, you know, broccoli or trees and I make up songs and I do dance it like it's really embarrassing um but it's in the privacy of my own kitchen but I'm like I don't care how you eat this like I'm going to make it fun and you know you can touch it you can play with it and you're going to eat it that makes me happy and I'm going to act like I don't care yes. like you eat the broccoli it's like oh okay all right you ate some broccoli you want some more inside I'm like celebrating like yeah. you know I'm so proud of it but if I act like that then they'll no longer want to eat the broccoli. So. <laughs> see me someday maybe someday I'll do my broccoli dance for you all oh I hope so <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know I can relate to that so much because inside I'm just like yes they're eating it and I'm just like whatever whatever I don't care <laughs>
0: That's Yeah. awesome all right well thank you ladies this was a wonderful and varied discussion as usual and it's it's interesting because things are it's. I feel like the three of us are a really good like microcosm of what's actually going on out there because I don't even feel socially distant anymore. <laughs> at all. I think I'm in the middle. So, Caitlin, I think you're like living your life. Yes. I'm
2: like in the middle, and Evelyn, I think you are the most conservative. But yeah.
1: I'm like Evelyn,
2: you're
0: like living how I was living like March twenty third, <laughs> <laughs> and I legitimately. And pandemic sometimes and I I don't think I'm being irresponsible I mean I'm not going to stores and if if and when I'm in a public place I'm wearing a mask I mean I'm doing the right things but it's just I don't know we've created this little bubble and the bubble keeps expanding Mm -hmm. but the anxiety levels are very very low for me and
1: but I think but yeah like you said Laura I mean we kind of have this whole spectrum because I think that's where somebody people are just kind of all along it just depending on your circumstances. Um,
2: oh yeah. I'm sure out. people listening to this when you're, if you're out there, um, <laughs> either be like, Oh, I'm a Caitlin or I'm a Laura or I'm an Evelyn. Like mm-hmm. I'm definitely in between, like we are doing more, but we are still a little closed in and yeah, but I think that's nice. And it's nice to be able to talk about it without judgment of how you two are doing it or how I'm doing it. Cause there is no wrong well, there's the wrong and going into the
0: Like There's no right or wrong, but you know what? There is a wrong. There, there yeah, correction. There is a wrong. But none of us are doing it the wrong. None of us are doing it.
2: <laughs> um, but out of the three of us, there's no one here who's doing it right or wrong, and we can all be accepting of that and be friends and loving and non-judgmental about it. So I'm very curious to see what the three of us do come fall with oh.
0: childcare because we all work. Over time, Caitlin. I think it's very different from October. Caitlin, I think I might be an Evelyn in October. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, very interesting. I
1: may be continuing to do the
2: same
0: thing I do now. <laughs> I, <wish.
2: laughs> I should make up a like a quiz, like you know, the Buzzfeed quizzes of like, who are you, <laughs> are you
0: Caitlin, Evelyn, or Laura? I'm gonna look into doing that because that's a lot of fun. All right, awesome. Thank you, ladies, so much. And I hope you have a great week. We'll see you next week. Thanks, you
2: too. Bye.